This week on Geeksplained, in our final episode of the year, we're taking a look back at 2021 for our annual Geeksplained Year in Review. Welcome back to Geeksplained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is the final episode of 2021. I let you know a little while ago, but yes, after this week, we are going to be going on hiatus for two weeks to enjoy the holiday season. Um... This has been quite the year. Uh, 2021 has given us a lot. It has taken a lot. And we are finally on the cusp of 2022. So I cannot wait to share with you my top five films, TV shows, video games, and of course comic books we also have the final weekly review for hawkeye as we review episodes five and six the penultimate episode as well as the finale of the season cannot wait to talk about this show uh and of course we have this week's comics countdown where i tell you about all the comics you should be picking up this week but before we get into all of that let's check in with this week's news All right, guys and dolls, let's talk some news. We have our four categories, film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. No TV news this week, so we're going to hop right into film news. Three pieces of film news that I want to talk about real quick. First off, we got the very first trailer for Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, The third and fingers crossed final uh film in the fantastic beasts franchise um it's you know it's fine the trailer's fine uh there's a lot of magic that's okay no pun intended but there's been a lot of magic that's been lost over the course of these three films uh i really enjoyed fantastic beasts the very first fantastic beasts film i really liked and then subsequently it has just been a the law of diminishing returns um mads mickelson looks great he always does but i don't know if he's going to be able to save this film so we'll just have to see i wasn't impressed with the trailer um probably won't be watching this movie until it hits streaming so we'll see uh in more exciting news speaking of streaming or not streaming uh DC and Warner Brothers announced that Blue Beetle, the story of Jaime Reyes, will no longer be an HBO Max exclusive, and it will be premiering in theaters August of 2023. This is a huge win. A lot of people have rightfully so been kind of complaining about the fact that a lot of the big swings that DC has been making with their films, you know, Batgirl, Blue Beetle, etc., are being kind of just shunted to be HBO Max exclusives and not being put into theaters. Um, I think this is great. I think it's a great choice. Jaime Reyes has the potential to be a big-time blockbuster uh, character for DC and for Warner Brothers, so I think it's going to be a win-win for everybody. 
everybody. And speaking of win-wins, all he's doing is winning Spider-Man. Spider-Man No Way Home dropped last week. Uh, If you haven't yet, Go back and check out our full two-hour spoiler review for Spidey Sember. Uh, I and my spectacular co-host Chris Carter dove into every single bit of the film as well as talked about the the future of the Spider-Man franchise. Go check that out if you haven't yet. And go check out all of the Spidey Summer episodes. We have a ton of fun alongside uh, our friendly neighborhood co-host, AJ Kincaid. Go check them out. It's a great time. But Spider-Man No Way Home is breaking all kinds of records. It's the, I believe, third biggest opening of all time. Uh, Over the weekend, over its opening weekend, it made $600 million, which means it's going to hit a bill by this weekend, maybe next weekend. Um, Spider-Man's back in a big bag away. So I am... uh, You know, I have mixed feelings about this. I think it's great that Spider-Man is bringing in... Uh, bringing in money. It's a good film. You should go see it. However, um, there's a little something called COVID and the Omicron variant and all that stuff going on right now. So it's scary. And I can understand if people aren't able to go see the film because of, um, you know, health risks. Uh, It sucks. And I hope that Disney and Marvel make the choice to eventually bring this to streaming quickly. Uh, I've already seen many people say that they would be more than willing to pay the, you know, uh, what was it, the premiere access fee to pay to watch it at home. I know I would. So um, hopefully they make that choice, but we'll just have to see. Uh, But it's breaking all kinds of records. Uh, Biggest pandemic uh, record, um, mo- biggest box office of the year, third biggest box office opening of all time. So lots of really good stuff going on with this film. Hopping on over to miscellaneous news, two pieces of video game news to talk about real quick. Marvel Future Revolution has finally added magic Ilyana Rasputin to its growing roster in the new update. Um, This game is fun. It's a fun little, you know, mobile game that you don't have to think too much about. Um, This might not be the last time I talk about this in this episode. Uh, And Magic is a really cool character and a unique character to bring into something like this. You'd expect they'd want to go with, like, you know, more mainstream heavy hitter characters. But I'm really excited. I like Magic as a character. Ileana kicks ass and I'm excited to see her in the game. And speaking of characters I'm excited to see in games, Assassin's Creed. Not just Valhalla, but also Odyssey got updates for the Assassin's Creed crossover stories. Uh, This DLC features a story where the main character of Assassin's Creed Odyssey Cassandra uh, meets up with Assassin's Creed Valhalla main character Ivor. Avor. I don't know why I said it like that. Avor. Um, this is really cool. I think it's awesome that the two of them get to meet. Obviously, if you're on the up and up with your lore, Cassandra would be alive uh, around this time. So it's cool. I haven't played it yet. I'm waiting for it to download. So I'm excited. Should be a good time. Hopping on over to comic book news. There was a bunch of comic book news this week. Uh, 
it it felt right. It feels correct to have a bunch of comic book news for our final news segment of the year. Uh, first off, big news: Dark Horse, the mainstay indie comic book publishing company, uh, has been sold to Swedish game company Embracer Group AB. They are the parent company of THQ Nordic, and who knows what this is going to bring? Uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. We do know that the, I believe, the president of Dark Horse is going to stay on to run the day-to-day stuff of the company. So it doesn't really look like a whole lot's going to change. It's just who they answer to, I guess. So that should be interesting. And then we got a bunch of comic book-specific news. I'm going to get the negative part out because it sucks and I don't want to talk about it. Uh, Mary Marvel, the Shazam book that is going to be headed by uh, Mary herself, has been delayed to August, which sucks. Uh, We're all looking forward to it early 2022, but it looks like we're going to have to wait just a little bit longer before Mary becomes the next champion of the Wizard Shazam. However, it's in August, so happy birthday to me. Uh, Really excited about that book still. Hopefully, no more more delays, please. Now getting into some big announcements. Uh, Four books that were announced this week that I really uh, am interested in to talk to you about first off punisher we are getting a punisher prestige 13 issue series written by jason aaron with art by jesus saez and paul azaceta i'm a huge jesus saez fan i'm a big jason aaron fan paul azaceta is a very good artist i cannot bring myself to get really excited about punisher i can't i'm sorry uh however they are touting this as punishers born again which is big which is a big big statement to make i know matt draper's ears are burning right now um it's it's an interesting statement to make especially because the punisher is such a different character than matt in almost every single way that's what makes them so interesting when they meet up and the fact that this is promising to be you know the shining moment of frank castle dealing into his past his present and his future um we'll see We'll see what happens there. And speaking of future, Sean Gordon Murphy has revealed the very next chapter of the White Knight saga, and it is entitled Beyond the White Knight. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're getting Batman Beyond in the Murphyverse. I am very excited about this. Uh, The White Knight books have been fantastic. I've loved every single one of them in their own way. The first White Knight was fantastic. Curse of the White Knight was a topsy-turny, twisty, bendy book that I was not expecting, but I really enjoyed. And White Knight Presents Harley Quinn was fantastic. So I am very excited to see what they do here. We are bringing back my boy Terry McGinnis. There's going to be a lot that goes into this. Cannot wait to read this book. Speaking of Batman, we got the announcement that Tom King is back to the bat uh announcing batman killing time written by tom king with art by dave marquez let me pull up the uh, official stuff on here the official announcement so the synopsis reads like this three villains one dark knight and a deadly heist gone wrong catwoman the riddler and penguin joined forces to pull off the greatest robbery in the history of gotham city and their prize a mysterious and priceless artifact in the secret possession of bruce wayne but as the 
But as the events unfold, what fun is a heist without a bloody double cross or two? The blockbuster team of Tom King and David Marquez bring an epic white-knuckled action-packed tale of a young Batman desperate to recover his most prized possession from a host of violent rogues before the clock strikes the killing time. Obviously, I think to the surprise of no one, this is a The Batman book. Uh, This is a DC mandated, we gotta have a Batman book to tie into The Batman. Um, It's very clearly, it comes out March 1st. It's got the three villains that are gonna be in the new Batman film. It's a year two, as Tom King has described it, Batman story. It's not hard. It's not hard to draw the line between the two of them. That being said, I am still very interested in this. I love Dave Marquez as an artist. I love his art. I think he's fantastic. Um, and Tom King, as much as people you know continue to hate him, is still a great comic book writer. I still love me some. I love all of his stuff. So I'm I'm also loving Human Target. By the way, pick it up. It's fantastic. Uh, and Tom King continues to work with the best artists in the biz today. So I'm excited about this. Uh, we'll just have to see how much of a soulless cash grab that the book is. But the big book that I want to freaking talk about is Rogues. I feel so good to say that. It's going to be a black label book written by Joshua Williamson with art by Leo Max. Um, This, ah, I'm very excited about this. Rogues is going to be a prestige format story where the rogues of Central City led by Captain Cold in their over-the-hill ages try to pull off one last big heist. It's a crime noir heist epic and i cannot wait you know how much i love the rogues um if you want to know just how much go back read or listen to my uh boomer's big score a rogue story or rogue tale um that pitch is one of my favorite pitches i've ever done and i love the rogues i love the rogues so freaking much cannot wait to pick this up this is also coming out in march um They're making books specifically for me, and I am here for it. So that does it for this week's news, the final week of news for 2021. And speaking of 2021, that is going to roll us right on into the main course, the main event, the entree, if you will, which is the annual Geeksplained Year in Review for 2021. Ladies and gentlemen, we made it. 
We are finally at the end of 2021, and so it is time for the annual Geeksplained Year in Review. I'm going to be chatting you up about my top five films, video games, TV shows, and comics. And because I can't help myself, every single one of those categories also has an honorable mention. I know it makes more sense for it to be a top five, but there was so much good stuff this year. I couldn't help it. Um, there's just, it's funny looking back on the year that we've had, and even though I think for the most part there's been a lot of bad stuff, there's been a lot of really cool stuff too. So, we're gonna be talking about it all, so let's go ahead and just kick things off with my top five films of 2021. So starting off, let's just get the uh, honorable mention out of the way. Suicide Squad. No, let me correct that. The Suicide Squad. Directed by James Gunn, this film was a blast. A lot of us knew that this film was going to be good, but I don't think any of us knew just how good it was going to be. Um, The film is just fun. From start to finish, James Gunn imbues the same kind of creativity and panache that he has in, I would say, all of his films, but most notably, of course, the Guardians of the Galaxy films. Um, This was just such a great time. I think the opening of this film is the most on-brand for any comic book movie I've ever seen. Basically setting up this whole team that you are seeing dropped into enemy territory, and then just watching all of them mercilessly one by one get slaughtered, only for the B team to show up and be the main characters of the film. Uh, It was a great time. I loved how far into the comic book realm it pushed into. I mean, for God's sake, they got Starro. Starro! Starro is the villain of this film, Um, though I would argue that uh, capitalism is the... the, uh, the true villain of this film. Corporate villainy will always trump comic book villainy in my book, but it's a really fun time. The cast is stacked. Idris Elba is a standout for me. Daniela Melchior as Ratcatcher 2 is, of course, great. Uh, King Shark, Sylvester Stallone's King Shark, is a hoot. Had a great time with him. Um, and I think the most surprising out of all of them, John Cena's Peacemaker, I adored. I really loved his take on the character. Um, and we're getting a second round with him with the Peacemaker show uh, coming in January. So really good time. Um, I do have to knock it a couple points because they killed my man, man, Captain Boomerang in the early parts of the film. But still a great time. You should go out of your way to see it if you haven't yet. It's true comic book. It's true rated R comic book fun. Now getting into the top five list. At number five for my 2021 films is Raya and the Last Dragon. Uh, I did not expect this film to hit me in the way that it did, but it was incredible. Um, Asian film and just Asian representation in general in media took a big leap this year, and Raya is one of the uh, films that I point to in getting us closer. So, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, totally, totally fun. Uh, Very much, I'm a big world-building fan, 
And having a film that is so invested in its world, showing us different continents, it almost felt like an abridged uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, but not in a way that felt like super derivative or um, soulless. Uh, Ride the Last Dragon is incredible. Uh, the visuals are stunning. The performances are really fun. And it's a world that I wouldn't mind going back to. Uh, it's a great time. For all ages, which I can't really say uh, Suicide Squad is. Um, but yeah, go out of your way to check this out if you haven't. At number four was a late addition to the uh, to the list. But at number four, I have Tick, Tick, Boom. This was a Netflix, uh, Netflix exclusive film uh, starring Andrew Garfield telling the story of... Jonathan Larson, the creator of Rent. Uh, this was directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda, and it shows. Um, maybe it's just because I am a musical theater. Uh, I got my degree in musical theater. Uh, maybe it's because... That's right, I have a big boy degree <laughs> in musical theater. Um, maybe it's just because I adore rent like this film was made specifically for me right because they have andrew garfield my spider-man one of my favorite actors just in general telling the story of jonathan larson who created the first musical i ever loved um this was a match made in heaven for me and i have not stopped listening to the soundtrack since i watched this film it is so good. Uh, musicals uh, had an interesting time the last couple of years. Uh, I feel like they're really high quality films that just don't get a lot of recognition, which is sad. Uh, I think that was the same thing within The Heights uh, earlier this year, and I think that's the same thing that's happening with West Side Story, which is sad. But In The Heights was great. Go check it out. But Tick, Tick, Boom is a unique movie in the fact that it is so... Uh, so invested in the story that it's telling and that you get you get incredibly lost in the real world implications of the 1990s uh, i have never felt as connected to a film as i did when i this year when i watched this um maybe it was because the night before i had just worked my first union gig uh, my first SAG booking, still buzzing about it. But I was in a very uh, emotional state creatively when I watched this film, and it hit me like a goddamn truck. Uh, this film was just exactly what I needed to see at exactly the right time. Uh, go out of your way to see this, because it's genuinely a wonderful uh, performance by the entire cast, but especially Andrew Garfield. Um, and we owe it to Andrew Garfield to watch this film after badgering him day in and day out about Spider-Man. Granted... Now we know he was lying, but it was an NDA situation. I can bet you money that that was the reason, and he just wanted people to come see his Netflix movie. So go watch it. It's a great time. Uh, check it out. At number three, a very good year for Netflix, we have Inside. Inside was more than a movie. Inside was a goddamn religious experience for me, and for a lot of people. Um... Inside uh, by Bo Burnham is transcendent of the form that uh, that we have associated with comedy specials. Um, Inside was essentially created over the last over 2020. Uh, Bo Burnham was stuck in one location and he created this masterpiece of a film. And it go it shows the entire 2020 experience. There is nothing that I can uh, do to properly uh, 
articulate just how much this film represents 2020. Uh, the highs, the lows, the ridiculousness, the crushing depression. Um, there were multiple moments in this film where I cried my eyes out because it hit it hits in such a way that it transports you back into the year that was, and it's scary at times. But in that, it's incredibly honest and truthful, and I cannot explain how addictive it was watching this film. I've watched it four or five times, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for Inside is a lot when you have to get emotionally uh prepared to watch it uh it's an incredible film uh bo burnham's magnum opus i think and uh it is worth the time to go check out at number two we have spider-man no way home you knew it was going to be on this list somewhere uh number two spider-man no way home i adored this film i thought it was the most it might have been the most surprising superhero film I've seen since Suicide Squad. Uh, we had a lot of superhero stuff this year. Marvel came back in a big, bad way and kind of really put the uh, cherry on top with Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, if you want to get my full spoiler thoughts alongside my co-host Chris Carter, uh, check out the previous episode of Spidey Sember where we went full in-depth on spoilers. Um... But this film was an absolute delight. I will never forget the experience watching this film. I will never forget watching this with two of my best friends. And it was an incredible time. And I'm trying to be as spoiler-free as possible with this. But it is just... <sighs> it's good to be Spider-Man fan again. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, and then at number one, you knew it had to be this. Number one, Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi gave me life. <laughs> I joke, but I'm serious. Like, this was this was a highly anticipated film for a lot of people. And the cultural impact that this film had, I would say, is uh, unprecedented for um, the Asian community when it comes to superhero media or comic book media. We'd never had a guy who was, like, our guy. We'd had, like, tertiary characters or supporting characters like our boy Wong who has been slaving away in silence uh just Benedict Wong rules uh, and he is doing some of the best work in his entire acting career the last couple of years both in and outside of uh, superhero films but having a main character be the Asian American uh lead that we've been waiting for having shang chi be a primarily asian cast having shang chi tell this beautiful story about family and loss and grief um is a is an experience that i won't soon forget shang chi was the very first film that i saw back in theaters and i'm so glad that it was because experiencing it not once but twice with my partner uh we absolutely adored it and i loved getting to watch shang chi and i will continue to watch shang chi uh tony lung gives us the best uh marvel villain since probably thanos um and the action, the music, the uh, witty comedy was just, it was the perfect storm. I love and adore this film. It is my number one film of the year, and there's not a whole lot else to say about that. 
So moving right along to video games, top five video games of the year, uh, honorable mention goes to Marvel Future Revolution, which is strange because Marvel Future Revolution is a mobile game, and I'm not usually a mobile game guy, but the hype and the uh, advertising for this game was so incredibly strong that I had to pre-register for it, um, and you know what? It's a fun time. Lots of customization, a roster of characters that are really fun to play. When it comes to um, mobile RPGs, there's certain give and take that you have to expect when it comes to this kind of thing, and I think it was a lot of fun. The, uh, the same problems that mobile games have this game does have it's repetitive there's not a lot of you know story to it it's just a lot of uh mission stuff but for all of that the customization the character interactions the voice acting is all top tier and it it is worth your time to try out at least once. But the top five video games of the year at number five, I have Halo Infinite. Halo came back and it has been a bit of a rocky start. Uh, it is celebrating its 20 year anniversary is the Halo franchise. So you knew that this was going to be a big deal. Uh, Halo Infinite dropped its uh, its multiplayer beta for everybody uh, on the 20th anniversary, which has been fun. There are a lot of kinks to work out with that battle pass, but I would say a lot of that is half heavily balanced by the campaign. Campaign is a really fun time. It's the first Halo open world game. Um, there's, again, certain kinks and certain growing pains from taking a game that is usually fairly linear and taking it out into a wider open world. But for its first outing, I think Halo Infinite does a great job of balancing the open worldness of, you know, modern AAA video games with the narrative potential and funneling story-wise of past Halo games. It's not, I would say, the best Halo game, but I would definitely put it in top five uh, for sure. I think that it's a great next step for the Halo franchise, and I can't wait to see where Halo goes next. Now, going to number four, from the future back to the past, we have Scott Pilgrim, the movie, the game, Complete Edition. You know how much I love Scott Pilgrim. You know how much I love Scott Pilgrim. And when Scott Pilgrim first came out, alongside it, we got a Scott Pilgrim The Game on, um, I believe it was like the Xbox Marketplace or PlayStation Network, maybe both. Um, but it was a ton of fun, a little arcade beat-em-up. And I remember dedicating an entire summer to playing this game with Brendan, Juan, and other friends. Um this game is an absolute blast. And this game came back in a big bad way. You're able to play it through its entirety, including DLC. It's a wonderful time. It's a great throwback if you're a fan of those old school arcade beat-em-ups. And it is absolutely worth your time. At number three, treating a little bit, but I did the same thing last year. Uh, at number three, I have Final Fantasy VII Remake Intergrade. I love Final Fantasy VII Remake. It was, I think, my number two game of the year last year. It was in the top five, absolutely. And getting a large DLC like this 
bundled up with the PS5 upgrade of the game brought me back and reminded me of why I love this game and why I love Final Fantasy 7 in general. Um, playing as Yuffie with her partner Sonon, uh, getting to... Uh, basically experience her story during the events of Final Fantasy VII Remake was an absolute blast. The way that they wove her story in with the main story was really fun. Uh, the way that they set up for the sequel and gave us just as many questions as answers. Um, I adored this game. I think it's a great time. If you loved Final Fantasy VII Remake, make the jump. It's 25% off on PlayStation Network. You should go check it out. Now at number two, we have another big collection. Uh, we have Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Mass Effect Legendary Edition was the exact game that I needed this year because, holy shit, did I need sci-fi fantasy. Uh, and Mass Effect is one of my favorite game trilogies of all time. It is probably in the top five of games I've ever played, that being Mass Effect 2, of course. I think it's one of the most perfect games I've ever played. Um, and bringing it back to modern uh, modern hardware, updating the first game, uh, graphical upgrades, the whole shebang gave us a trilogy collection that I will be replaying until Mass Effect 4 comes out. Um, this came alongside the news that we're getting Mass Effect 4, and I could not be more hyped for that game after playing this. Getting to replay the original trilogy, uh, going through Commander Shepard's story, and making some different choices. I made some different choices along the way this time around, and the way that the game can change based on one or two little choices, I think, is something that's magical about this game and about this game series. And I think if you have not played the games before, or if you haven't played them in a very long time, Mass Effect Legendary Edition is the most complete version of this this story that you can find and you're going to want to play it before mass effect 4 comes out because that is going to knock the socks off of everybody but my number one game of the year is of course guardians of the galaxy you knew it was going to be this with how much i was talking about it for weeks um i absolutely loved this game sci-fi uh video games had a pretty great year with halo uh, Mass Effect, and now Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, this was, I think, the biggest surprise to everybody, because when this game was announced during E3, uh, no one had high expectations for it. I thought it looked interesting. I thought the um, the graphics looked great. The gameplay looked interesting, but it felt like Avengers 1.5, and that was not a good sign because of how bad Avengers has been. But thankfully, this game has so much love, so much care put into it. It is genuinely one of the best games I played all year. Uh, the story, it won Best Narrative at the Game Awards, rightfully so, because the story here is incredible. The character interactions are wonderful. The way you're able to, in a very Mass Effect way, uh, command your squad, command the Guardians as Star-Lord, is really fun, and it makes the game endlessly replayable. Um, having the choices and the dialogue there as well is really fun, but one of the 
biggest things for me is just the costumes. Unlockable costumes will always beat DLC for me. I hope there's never a DLC of this game. I hope that it just goes on and becomes, you know, the next game, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. But even if we don't get a Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the way that this game finishes up, this can be a complete story. It is so good and is so representative of the magic of the Guardians of the Galaxy as a team. Out, just even outside of the films, this game goes hard on its heavy comic book deep cuts, and it is all the better for it. Absolutely wonderful game. My game of the year, Guardians of the Galaxy. Heading on over to TV shows. TV was also hotly contested. Lots of great TV that I had to leave off of this. I almost made this a top 10 TV list because of how much good stuff was on here. Um, But first off, honorable mention goes to Superman and Lois. You knew I had to mention it. It was great. Of course, it has a lot of the CW trappings, but it felt big time. In the same way that Black Lightning felt like it was the CW Arrowverse, but elevated. Superman and Lois feels like the CW-verse, but super elevated. Uh, the cinematography is great. The story was fantastic. Um, there is a lot of like high school drama that I personally am just not super invested in, but even that, they made Jonathan and Jordan incredibly likable and endearing characters. And of course, having Tyler Hecklin and Bitsy Tulloch as our titular Superman and Lois, Perfect casting, A+, cannot wait for season two in January. Cannot wait. But as we go into the top five, uh, we had a quick little upset for me. Um, At the number five spot, I have Arcane. Arcane League of Legends slipped by me uh, earlier this year, and as I'm recording this, I have only watched the first three episodes. But... A, that means that, of course, it couldn't be any higher than number five, but B, that tells you how strong this show is. That after only three out of the nine episodes, it entered my top five TV with all of the great TV this year. Um, it is wonderful. Episode three, I have I have gasped more than I have watched an animated show in a very long time. Uh, It was incredible. This show is wonderful. Go check it out on Netflix. Netflix has had a hell of a year. Um, I said that already, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, Netflix has been consistently cranking out some great stuff, and Arcane is no different, even if you're not a League of Legends guy or gal. I am not a League of Legends guy myself. I've never gotten into those games. I'm just, it's not for me. But I fell in love with the world. I fell in love with the characters. And as I am recording this, I can't wait to finish this up so I can go and start watching episode four. Wonderful, wonderful story. Um, At least from what I've seen, absolutely enters the top five because of how strong it is. The animation is incredible, harkens back to a lot of the groundbreaking stuff that Into the Spider-Verse did, and it is absolutely worth your time. And number four, I have Star Wars Visions. This was a surprise for me, because when you hear uh, Disney is dipping into the anime market, I think a lot of people got worried, but... Having an anthology Star Wars series where every single episode tells a unique, self-contained story and is animated by a separate anime studio, you get magic. Are all the episodes strong? No. The Twins episode makes no sense to me and I will never, I don't think I'm ever going to enjoy it. However, you get episodes... Like the first episode, you get episodes like the band episode, you get episodes like the weird uh, steampunk 
story of sisters. It's I can't remember the <laughs> I can't remember the titles of the episodes, but this uh, this story. I mean, I do remember two episodes titles: Ninth Jedi in the Village, which are my two favorites. Um, just incredible storytelling and i need this applied to other things as well i think it works the best in a uh in a universe like uh star wars an ip like that is just rife for interpretation for adaptation um and i think it was absolutely worth it to take this leap of faith because it has been almost universal acclaim for this show uh check it out it's wonderful disney plus um one of the best disney plus shows that they've put out this year and speaking of disney plus shows at number three i have hawkeye Oh, Hawkeye. I absolutely adored this show. Um, Bringing back Jeremy Renner and pairing him with Haley Steinfeld's Kate Bishop was genius. Not only drawing a lot of inspiration from one of my favorite comics, that being, of course, Matt Fraction and David Aha's Hawkeye, but also weaving in a lot of the stuff that I loved from stories like uh, Hawkeye Freefall. With the Ronin stuff, with um, bringing in organized crime, and of course you have the Tracksuit Mafia, which are always going to elevate something into a top five spot. But there were a lot of Marvel Disney Plus shows this year, and Hawkeye kind of stands on the shoulders of all of them, I think. Uh, WandaVision was excellent. I think the finale felt rushed, but overall, I really adored the show. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm an easy mark for that kind of stuff. Incredibly well done uh, with one of the, I think, personally, one of the best finales that any of these shows have. Loki, comic book perfection. Uh, One of the best shows of the year, not just Disney Plus shows, but just shows of all year. Um, And then we got Hawkeye. Hawkeye is the little engine that could. Hawkeye is the little Avenger that could. Um, And it's Christmas. You knew I was going to weigh this a little bit on a... I was going to have this on a bit of a weighted scale because you know how much I love Christmas. Hawkeye is a damn near perfect comic. And uh, combining the two and making it just so fun every single week to watch. I'm going to give you, obviously, more information in the weekly review when I talk about episodes 5 and 6, so stay tuned for that. But Hawkeye, absolutely one of my favorite shows of the year. At number 2, Animation had a great year as well, and this one's pretty special to me. It's Invincible. Invincible had to be on my list. Um, I fell in love with the world of Invincible by watching this show. An incredibly stacked voiceover cast. Um, Steve Yun, J.K. Simmons, to name just a couple. Um, this show absolutely lit the torch for me to dive into the Invincible series. And this show directly birthed the Invincible or the Geek Explained book club on the entire Invincible series. So if you would if you enjoyed that series, you have this show to thank. Um, I will always cherish this show for introducing me to these characters and for introducing me to this world and i am so excited for season two cannot wait hopefully we get some news on when it's coming um absolutely loved it 
and I will continue to love it. The music, the acting, the animation, which at times got a little choppy, but still, the absolute care and love that was put into the show is apparent, and I cannot wait to see more. But I'm sure you're wondering, what is my TV show of the year? What is my show of 2021? And it is a little show, you might have heard of it, called Ted Lasso. I had never watched Ted Lasso coming into 2021. I heard some good things about it at the tail end of 2020. It was from a lot of what a lot of people said, the exact show that people needed in 2020, and I just didn't have any interest in it. But I continued to hear good things. I continued to hear how uh, transcendent it is of the medium of television. And I decided to watch it with my partner, season one earlier this year, and season two, uh, we just wrapped up a couple, uh, yeah, about a couple weeks ago. And it is incredible storytelling. Television, for me, hasn't really hit a fever pitch like it had during the days of Game of Thrones, when everybody saw it as must-watch television. Ted Lasso has taken that spot. You hear people talking about Ted Lasso literally all the time, and rightfully so. The first season of Ted Lasso is one of the most perfect seasons of television I've ever watched in my entire life. It is incredible. I cried, I laughed, I had a religious experience with this show. And season two ups the ante, making it darker, making it more se- making it more serious, but not in a way that's like, oh, gritty and realistic. In a way that's very real, touching on themes of mental health, touching on themes of self-worth. And it's a Uh, It's described as like the Empire Strikes Back of the Ted Lasso story, and I cannot wait for season three. Ted Lasso is my favorite show of the year. Um, It very easily might be my favorite show of the last five years. Who knows? I'd have to really think about it. But Ted Lasso is incredible. You need to do yourself a favor and watch this show. But that brings us to comic books. My top five comic books of the year. This was another incredibly tough list because there was so much good stuff. Um, It was absolutely a nightmare to put this list together, but I did it for the content. So let's go ahead and dive into this. First off, my honorable mention, Far Sector. This is the last time that I'll be able to talk about Far Sector, so you knew I had to take advantage of it. Um, Far Sector is one of my favorite books I've read in the last five years, probably. Um, The story of Joe Mullane and the City Enduring uh, was an incredibly uh, prescient and an incredibly... Um, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, it was exactly the comic book we needed when it was coming out, uh, telling about a detective noir story that involved uh, police brutality, that involved uh, misinformation, that involved all these things that we are dealing with in the day-to-day life. A lot of people 
look to comic books and fiction in general uh, as escapism. And though I think there is a value in that, I also think that there's a value in putting a mirror up to what you're seeing in your everyday uh, life and why it's so important to see the stuff that's going on outside of your window in your media. Because otherwise, a lot of people would be blind to the issues that we're facing today. Uh, Far Sector is the most invested I've been in Green Lantern in a very long time, and I am so glad that Joe is continuing to get shine in every single book that she appears in. Um, Far Sector is going to be a book I hold with me for a very long time, and hopefully the team of N.K. Jemison and Jamal Campbell get to come back and tell another story of Joe Mullane in the Far Sector. But going into our top five comics of the year, at number five, I have The Good Asian. The Good Asian is incredible. Uh, written by Pornstock Pachetchot with art by Alexandra Tefenki. Um, I don't know what to tell you. This book is incredible. Uh, I just talked, finished talking about a, a detective noir story. This is hard-boiled detective noir in the early 20th century in San Francisco with an Asian detective telling a unique story that we don't always get to hear. Uh, the reason that it's not higher up on the list is because of the inconsistent release schedule, which has murdered this book at several different times. But every single time that this book comes out with a new issue i am glued to it page to page uh the art is incredible the writing is some of the best detective noir that i've gotten in comics period um it's a wonderful book that you absolutely need to go out of your way to read and number four we have daredevil written by chip zadarsky with a myriad of artists but mostly this year including jorge fornes uh, marco chichetto uh, and, of course, Mike Hawthorne. Uh, this book, I mean, what can I say? Daredevil rules. Uh, Daredevil has been an incredible book. The Chip Zdarsky era has been a good reset for the character following the less-than-stellar Charles Sewell run. Um, Daredevil has been at an all-time high for a very long time now. It was my number one book you should be reading in 2021 and it maintains a high placement on the list um it does drop a couple points just because of the king and black stuff which i wasn't a huge fan of and the fact that these last couple issues have felt kind of rushed to get to uh devil's reign which i'm still very excited about but overall when you take everything that has happened in the daredevil book introducing us to electra's daredevil with one of the most chef's kiss costumes I've ever seen in a comic book, uh, to telling the story of Matt trying to survive in prison, which is always a great time. Um, it's a wonderful book that absolutely deserves its place on this list, and I cannot wait to get more of uh, Devil's Reign, cannot wait for the Daredevil uh, Woman Without Fear, and it's going to be a good time to see what happens next with the Chip Zdarsky Daredevil arc. Uh, at number three, we have Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, written by Tom King, written by, or uh, art by Bilkis Evely. Um, Tom King is work working with the best artists in the game right now. Uh, and this book is no different. You take Supergirl. You combine her with True Grit. 
and you wrap that all up in a space opera, and you have one of the most perfect books of the year. Uh, this is an incredible story. Only five issues are out, though the sixth issue is coming out today. Uh, it's a wonderful story with some of the most gorgeous art I've ever seen. Uh, issue th four. I think it was issue, f issue four. I actually cried. Full on cried reading that. Um, it's a wonderful story about revenge and about finding your place in the universe. Um, it's incredible. The art is, I think, the most standout of all of it. It's just absolutely gorgeous. I'd never, I was not familiar with uh, Bill Cassefli's work before this book, but you best be damn sure I'm going to pick up everything that she works on uh, here on out. Wonderful, wonderful book. And number two, we have Nightwing. Uh, written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. Nightwing is exactly the book that I wanted it to be. When you hear Tom King, or Tom King, when you hear Tom Taylor and Bruno Redondo together, you know it's going to be quality. And Nightwing being thrown in the mix made this almost my book of the year. It is an incredible story um, that is still ongoing. Uh, we're getting the big uh, chapter that we've been waiting for. More on that with the uh, comics countdown later on in this episode. Uh, but it is absolutely breathtaking. And it feels like Nightwing again. Nightwing in Bloodhaven doing his thing. Teaming up with Babs as well as uh, Tim Drake. And having other plots going on that are furthering the intrigue of Bloodhaven. I've always really adored Bloodhaven as the sister city of Gotham by being Gotham but smaller and worse. And this uh, this series really does play into that. The art by Bruno Redondo is absolutely gorgeous and the characterization of Dick Grayson is absolutely spot on. Um, it does take a little bit of a hit because of the Fear State tie-ins, which I don't think, um, even though they were still uh, very strong, were just not as strong as the rest of the book this year. Uh, this book has been absolutely amazing, and I cannot wait to pick up today's issue. Again, more on that later. But my book of the year, my best comic of 2021 is, of course... Beta Ray Bill, written and illustrated by Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, this book is damn near perfect. This book is my miniseries of the year. This book is my comic book of the year. This book might be my personal fictional media of the year. Uh, it's this or Ted Lasso, and what a what a toss-up between a football coach and a horse-faced demigod. Um, this story of Beta Ray Bill trying to find himself throughout the galaxy, going into the depths of hell to figure out what makes him happy is a is just an incredible story. Um, Beta Ray Bill has never been a character that gets as much shine as he deserves, even though every time he shows up, it is money. And I am so glad that we finally got a definitive Beta Ray Bill story for the modern era of comics it's been a long time coming daniel warren johnson is an absolute uh absolute auteur in the way that he is able to communicate uh both visually and through uh his writing and also it's got wrestling moves in it daniel warren johnson's a huge pro wrestling fan which makes this automatically one of the best books i've read all year um the story of trying to find yourself coupled with his motley band of uh of pip of um 
the executioner, I can't remember his name right now, um, as well as actually giving us a voice to Scuttlebutt um, and ultimately putting them on a collision course with Surtur was an incredible story. I have reread it over and over and over again. I will recommend it to literally anyone who can hear the sound of my voice, and it is absolutely worth your time to go back and read. But that does it. That does it for my Geek Explained year in review. 2021, like I said, was a just fantastic year when it comes to um, media, when it comes to film, TV, video games, and comics. And 2022 is shaping up to be just as big, if not bigger. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Uh, 2021 has been a hell of a year. It's a... It's a wonder when you kind of look back and see all the great stuff that came out this year. It was an incredibly hard year, but a great year in the world of film, TV, video games, and comics. And I will always look back at 2021 as one of my favorite years when it comes to geek media. It's the most wonderful time. It's the most this is too dangerous. Definitely not this one. You'll have to say definitely like that. Holy shit. There It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now, in our final weekly review of 2021, we are checking out episodes 5 and 6 of... Hawkeye. The final two episodes of the season, entitled Ronin and So This Is Christmas, respectively, are finally here, and I think Hawkeye stuck the landing. Um, it's I mentioned it as one of my favorite uh, shows of the entire year. I think it is absolutely worth the uh, worth its weight in gold when it comes to these uh, Disney Plus shows. But let's go ahead and just dive into it. So episode 5, entitled Ronin, picks up right after the uh, big battle with Yelena Belova on the rooftop. Um, Hawkeye, or Clint, has severed ties with Kate, and the two of them are going on their separate ways. Uh, This was a really great episode to separate them and then bring them back together, right? So having Clint go on this kind of... um, I need to, you know, I need to settle up all of my debts in a way that I need to take out Maya and the Tracksuit Mafia because they're not going to stop otherwise. They're going to put my family in danger. I thought it was really cool. I wish we'd gotten more of it because the uh, the episode kind of wraps it up uh, fairly quickly. However, that isn't to say that it wasn't a fantastic sequence. Having Clint in the Ronin costume, taking out the entire tracksuit mafia and battling with Maya was really, really cool. Uh, And parallel to that, Kate gets this incredible scene with Yelena, where the two of them are just sitting in Kate's burned-up apartment eating mac and cheese. Um, I really adore Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld's chemistry together. I think they work really well, and I hope we get to see more of them if we get a Hawkeye Season 2. Put, just put them together. Just put them together. Hawkeye and Widow. J- Tales of Suspense. 
just do that. Have the two of them together, and I think it would be magic. Um, and I'll talk about it again in episode six. But loved this, uh, loved this episode. Loved their rapport. Um, the battle that happens at the end with. Um, with Maya, with Clint, where the two of them are going back and forth, Clint revealing that, you know, there was a mole inside of her father's operation, which allowed him to get to there and kill her father. I'm glad they didn't, like, make some kind of switcheroo where it was like, no, someone else was in the Ronin costume and killed her father. Clint owns it, but he also says, hey, I got the tip from an informant from your boss. And it sends Maya on a spiral that... uh eventually culminates in her questioning everything and leaving so i really enjoyed that and then we also got the big reveal at the end that of course the big boss of maya and maya's uncle is of course wilson fisk the kingpin is back what a great week for the netflix daredevil show getting not just kingpin but also spoilers for no way home in the MCU as well. Really, really loved it. Great, great time. Um, I just... Ah, it was so cool. Um, which brings us to episode 6. Uh, Clint and Kata reunited. And I will say... This this finale wasn't perfect. Um, I think it moved really quickly. The pacing felt a little weird. And it felt a little overstuffed at times. There was a lot that happened. And it wasn't all wrapped up in a way that I found satisfying for specific characters. Uh, Kazi never actually becomes the clown. Which made me sad. Um, maybe they'll bring him back. But maybe he'll be brought back in the Echo Show. Who knows. Uh, more and more the Echo Show is shaping up to be uh, like a Daredevil 3.5. Uh, in the way that... Maya is going to be uh, on her own. We might get Kazi as the clown, you know, brought back as the clown in this, in her show. And the Kingpin might have another uh, appearance in her show as well. Who knows? Um, I really enjoyed this, though, overall. I still love Renner and Steinfeld's chemistry together. They worked really well. And they brought back Jack. And I, you know, I've come around on Jack. Jack is incredible, and I'm glad that they brought him in. Um, I'm excited to see more of him. I love the little note about him and the LARPer. It's like, have you ever thought of LARPing? He's like, what's that? And you know he would be perfect for it. Uh, I also really adored the use of the costumes. The costumes look great, even though I was sorely missing the mask. And I still think that they should have had him in the costume in the LARP scene. They wasted it. They wasted a perfectly good-looking LARP costume. Um, Just to cut it, ah, makes me mad. But uh, costumes look great. I loved the action. The action was bombastic and fast. Uh, I loved the sequence between uh, Haley Steinfeld's uh, Kate Bishop and Florence Pugh's Helena Belova fighting through the building. Um, really great stuff. Again, their chemistry is off the charts. Put them in something together. Whether it's a Tales of Suspense, whether it's just a team up, or whether it's a Young Avengers, you need to have them together. They work magic together. Um, I also really, speaking of Yelena, loved the payoff to Yelena and Clint's story. The two of them finally coming to blows and uh, coming to an understanding about Natasha's choice, about the fact that they both miss her and are grieving for her. Just a great, great, absolutely great uh, 
great moment. Also, I forgot to mention in episode five, another incredible moment where Clint goes to the uh, Battle of New York's memorial. He takes his hearing aid off and he like just kind of talks to Natasha. I loved that touch. Um, just super cool. Just this, you can really feel how much Natasha mattered to Clint. Um, and it was just really cool. Uh, then, then going back to the finale, I thought the action was off the charts. Uh, having went, Having Vincent D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk back was incredible. He felt a, just a touch off because, of course, this isn't uh, Netflix Wilson Fisk. This is a Disney Wilson Fisk. So there's certain conceits that have to be made. Uh, he had a weird taste in, like, Hawaiian shirts, which I thought was odd. Um, the wardrobe for Wilson Fisk seemed really haphazard and thrown together. Uh, I don't know if the Wilson Fisk inclusion was a last-minute uh, inclusion or not. But um, overall, getting him back, hearing him talk was just incredible. And then he throws down, straight up just throws down with uh, with Kate, Kate Bishop. Had a great fight. Um and he was straight up comic book Wilson Fisk. He was almost indestructible, which makes the final scene that he has with Maya where she shoots him questionable because it makes sense for Maya's story for her to kill the man who set up her father to be killed. However, we've seen this in the comics. Maya shoots Wilson Fisk after finding out his involvement in the death of her father and then he is he survives but he's blinded so just theory crafting here we might see a blinded wilson fisk as the main antagonist of echo which i would be down for especially if that brings matt murdoch back and the two of them get to have another confrontation um with that uh we get the wrap-up of Kate having her mother arrested getting the reveal that yes it was Eleanor that got Armand killed and then um we got this nice little ending where uh Kate goes home with Clint for Christmas they they make it Christmas morning uh I have that I have feels for that I can sympathize because I'm going to be making a long drive myself Christmas Eve um but I will say that the whole plot with um, with the watch and it actually being Laura's watch, Clint's wife, felt weird. Like, why was it there? What importance did it have? Who cared? How did it trace, uh, trace back to Laura? I don't think that we needed the watch because it gave us just too much. It gave us too much to think about uh, for not a really good payoff. Of course, it's cool. Yeah, Laura's, you know, part of the... Part, was formerly part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Maybe she is Bobby Morse. Who knows? Um, but overall, just not my cup of tea. So overall, when it comes to these last two episodes and the Hawkeye show as a whole, I loved it. I loved it from top to bottom. Yes, there are things I didn't like about it. Yes, there are uh, pacing issues and things that I wish they would have spent more time on and characters that didn't get enough time to shine. But I loved it for what it was. I thought Haley Steinfeld was a revelation as Kate Bishop. I thought her teaming up with Jeremy Renner's Clint Barton was fantastic. I can't wait to see where these characters go next, and I am so, so happy that this show exists. And just in time for Christmas. But that's going to do it for the final weekly review of the year, and we will probably be picking up with a weekly review in the future, but for now, we're going to roll right on into this week's Comics Countdown. 
Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we gotta take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explained Pick of the Week of last week. And for me, honestly, it could have been any one of the books that I picked up. They were very, very good. It was almost Batman Urban Legends number 10 because of all of the Christmas, but ultimately I chose a a different Batman book, that being Robin and Batman number two of three, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Dustin Nguyen. I love this story. I have no idea where it's going, but I absolutely adored the second issue. I thought it was fantastic. You should be reading this, especially if you're a Dick Grayson fan. But that brings us to this week. This week, we've got 10 books for you to check out, and they go like this. Let's go ahead and dive into the list. First up, Batman, One Dark Knight, number one, written and illustrated by jock uh this sounds really cool i'm just gonna dive into the synopsis because i can't wait about this when a simple gcpd escort goes sideways batman finds himself on the wrong end of gotham city in the middle of a heat wave with a supervillain in tow Follow Batman as he traverses block by block across a pitch-dark Gotham City while dragging a highly difficult EMP to his permanent home at Blackgate Prison. The dark corners of Gotham City contain many surprises, and EMP plans to deliver many more shocks before the night is through. So yeah, uh, this sounds awesome. This is Batman Warriors. Uh, I'm excited about this. Can't wait to pick this up. Plus, it's Jock. Jock rules. Next up, we have Iron Man number 15, written by Christopher Cantwell with art by Ibrahim Roberson. Uh, this is the big old battle. This is Cosmic God versus Cosmic God, Iron Man versus Korvac. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. What of Lazarus. Iron Man has become the Iron God. Only trouble is, Korvac has once again become cosmic as well. Their conflict now spills out across the universe, as both newly nigh-invincible entities vie for absolute dominance. What does it look like when two massive egos with celestial-sized abilities duke it out? What kind of havoc does it cause as they tear through galaxies and dimensions? And how can a handful of tiny humans stop them in hope of saving their old friend, Tony Stark? So yeah, big bombastic universe shattering implications here we'll just have to see what happens next up we have batman catwoman number nine this is written by tom king with art by liam sharp um i have to say i kind of wish that it was still uh clayman doing the art on this no disrespect to liam sharp liam sharp is an incredible uh artist and he is absolutely not detracting anyway from this book but i don't know i just i like when books that are set up to be a single creative team stay that creative team that being said, the book has been fun so far. Uh, I'm still weird about this strange love triangle between Batman, Catwoman, and Joker. It's odd. 
But I'm here for the ride. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The Bat and the Cat, Chapter 9. O Little Town of Bethlehem. Batman and Catwoman may have just gotten back together, but Joker is ready to complicate things by asking Selina for a favor that could lead to Batman's demise. That's not the only trick he has up his sleeve. He's also hiding a secret that will drive Phantasm mad. Plus, Batwoman hunts down her mother. So yeah, um, book's really interesting, still playing with the three timelines. Um, It's good. It's good. Next up, we have Radiant Black, number 11. This is written by Kyle Higgins with art by Marcelo Costa. Um, This book's been great. I've been really enjoying Radiant Black. The uh, last issue was really, really big and monumental. So I'm excited to see how they follow up on that. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Phew. Okay. Deep breaths. We made it out. Maybe, just maybe, it's finally time for Marshall to relax. Or maybe there's a new superpowered asshole in town. And if Marshall can't handle them alone, maybe he could use some help from Radiant Pink. So yeah, I'm excited to learn more about the other Radiants. Cannot wait to pick this up. Next up, we have Justice League Incarnate number 2. This is written by Joshua Williamson with and Dennis Culver with art by Paul Pelletier, Norm Ratmund, Andre Brisson, and Kyle Hotz. Um, this is continuing on the next stage of Infinite Frontier. And, I mean, it's good. I'm still not sure exactly what the end game is for this. And maybe this issue will give us uh, some kind of direction or some kind of hint as to where we're going next. But we will just have to see. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. World's gone mad. As Darkseid's quest leaves a bloody trail across the multiverse, the Justice League incarnate ventures to the dark world of horror known as Earth-13. They must enlist the aid of Super Demon and his League of Shadows against not only Darkseid, but also the evil power couple of Asmodel and the Sheeta Queen. While on Earth-11, the Batwoman who laughs begins her schemes. Oh, I don't like that. I don't. We've had enough of Batman who laugh. I don't need a Batwoman who laughs. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Next up, we have Hawkeye, Kate Bishop, number two. This is written by Maria Knijkamp with art by Enid Balam. I really enjoyed the first issue, and I cannot wait to pick this next issue up. Um, it's a it's a nice detective story, and you know how much I love my detective stories. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Before Kate can fully wrap her head around the fact that her estranged sister Susan has reappeared, what? And was the one who invited her to Resort Chapiteau in the first place, what? And that this case is definitely not going to allow much in the way of pool time, ugh. She gets pulled into something she does know how to handle. A little girl staying at the resort has gone missing. But, in spite of the fact that she's basically an Avenger, the resort staff don't want her investigating. So now Kate has three mysteries on her hands. Where is the girl? What is the resort hiding? And what does this have to do with her family in the first place? 
Uh, yeah, I am in. I really enjoyed this book. Cannot wait to pick this up. Next up, we have X-Men, The Trial of Magneto, number five. This is the conclusion of The Trial of Magneto. We're going to get answers. Uh, this is written by Leah Williams with art by David Messina and Lucas Wernick. Um, we'll see. I'm not sure what the, now that we, you know, have Wanda back and she's the younger Wanda, I'm not sure what the end game of this story was supposed to be, but we're going to find out real quick in this book. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Justice is served. The mystery surrounding Magneto and the Scarlet Witch is resolved. The guilty will be judged, the innocent absolved, the victims avenged, and all shall endure their own trials. Yeah, so this book was promising a big status quo change. We'll just have to see if it pays off. Next up, we have Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, number six, written by Tom King, art by Bilkis Evely. Um, what can I say that I haven't already said in this episode, right? Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow rules. Uh, we're heading into the home stretch here. This is issue six of eight. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Chapter six, home, family, and refuge. The traumatic secrets of Supergirl's past are revealed as our heroine races to the edge of the universe to escape Krem and his latest weapon. The murderer of young Ruthie's father has gotten his hands on a Mordru globe and plans to use it to make our hero disappear forever. Can she save herself and the young girl's future in the process? She'll need the help of her trusty steed, Comet the Super Horse. Yeah, we're getting Comet the Super Horse that rules! Um, I'm glad that they're finally catching up to Krem. It has been a long time coming. Let's just see what happens here. Next up, we have The Amazing Spider-Man number 82. This is written by Saladin Ahmed with art by Jorge Fornes. Um, uh, you know how much I love this book. I've been really loving Amazing Spider-Man so far. Uh, this whole brand new day-esque style where they're bringing in a new creative team every couple issues has been working out real well. And now we've got Saladin Ahmed and Jorge Fornes together, a match made in heaven. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Beyond Chapter 8 Something horribly wrong is happening at the McCarthy Medical Center. Mary Jane Watson is trying to nurse the bedridden Peter to health, but when Peter's roommate disappears, MJ has to step up. Can MJ and a non-mobile Peter get to the bottom of this hospital mystery? Uh, yeah, this sounds great. Um, possibly a killer orderly, as the, uh, the cover is hinting at. Looking forward to this for sure. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Nightwing number 80. Seven. This is written by Tom Taylor, art by Bruno Redondo. Get two of these if you can. I'm just going to say it. Get two of them if you can. One to read, one to tear apart, and place uh, every page next to each other because this is the book we have been waiting for. This is one continuous image from start to finish. Um, this is going to be incredible. Uh, so let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Get Grayson. 
this special Nightwing issue is one continuous image. That's right. If you place every page next to each other, you'll have one poster image in this story. Now that billionaire Dick Grayson has publicly dedicated his funds to save Bloodhaven, he's a wanted man. And that's why he hi- he finds hired killers breaking in to steal his dog, Haley. No, not Haley! Um, but yeah, I am going to try and nab two issues of this. If I can't, I will be very sad. But this is the book to do it in, because... The gimmick of having two, one book equal just one continuous image all the way through, you're going to want to pick this up for sure. But that does it for this week's Comics Countdown, the final this week's Comics Countdown for, uh, for 2021. To recap, we've got Batman, One Dark Knight, number one, Iron Man, number 15, Batman Catwoman, number nine, Radiant Black, number 11, Justice League Incarnate, number two, Hawkeye Kate Bishop, number two. X-Men The Trial of Magneto number 5, Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow number 6, The Amazing Spider-Man number 82, and Nightwing number 87. And you know what? Let me just... I wasn't planning on doing this, but I am just going to, since we won't have any comics uh, to talk about next week... Let me just give you the quick rundown of comics I think he should be picking up for sure uh, because it looks like we're getting a lot of them and I'm not going to be able to talk about them. Uh, so... Books I think you should pick up next week. Let's look at this list here. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, uh, okay. Uh, obviously, Superman 78, number five. That book's been killer. Loved it so much. Um, Timeless, number one. That's the next big uh, Marvel event that's coming out. Um, Teen Titans Academy number 10 we're finally hopefully going to get some answers about uh, what's going on with uh, Red X Human Target number 3 Human Target has been fantastic so far check that out Um, let's see here what else Uh, Death of Doctor Strange number 4 Death of Doctor Strange has been incredible you need to pick this book up Devil's Reign number 2 they came out swinging you should be picking that up as well Uh, Robin number 9 this book is fantastic uh action comics number 1038 uh superman the authority are stranded on war world with half of their ranks not coming home really good book uh detective comics number 1046 uh aftermath of fear state before they head into the shadow of the bat should be really good and of course amazing spider-man number 83 um what more is there to say about Spider-Man? It's been fantastic. So that is going to do it for all of the comics you should be picking up this week and next for 2021. Uh, it's been a, it's been fun. It's been a really great time. Cannot wait to read more comics in 2022. Uh, and we will see you there. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplain podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and especially subscriptions really does help me out, really helps the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. 
You can join the likes of our Dirty Dozen, including Seafire ND, Josh from Panels to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, Alok and AZ, and Sass. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. And we did it! We did it! You mad mad lads and lasses uh got us to 20 ratings uh we are officially a five star podcast thank you so much to whoever gave us that final five star rating we are a five star podcast officially merry christmas to the geek explain podcast um thank you so much to everyone who has been on this journey with us and who continues to give their feedback genuinely makes my day this podcast is of course by a geek for geeks so thank you so much also if you want to be part of our geek explain mailbag if you have a question for me you want a specific um rundown on something that you maybe saw in a comic or in a film or whatever uh maybe you want a quick pitch or if you just want to say nice things about the podcast uh you can email me send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com put mailbag in the subject header and i will read them here uh we've got some we've got some letters here so first off we have a letter from our good brother aaron aronshaw always good to hear from aaron Uh, Aaron writes, hello, Eric. Hello. He says, just got done listening to you and Chris talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. And I, like you, am now officially on the Tom Holland hype train. He completely won me over with this film. I have been immensely critical of his movies and how they aren't really Spider-Man stories. And this movie completely shut me up and I love it. Uh, Quick spoiler warning for you uh, folks real quick. Uh, Spoilers for No Way Home for the rest of this uh, letter. Um, Jump. uh, I don't know. Uh, But it it is going to be spoilers. Spoilerific for the rest of this letter. So just be warned. Um, From his acting to his final decision to let MJ and Ned continue their lives without him in it. I loved everything Tom's character did in this film. I don't know if it was Marvel listening to the criticisms of the movies up to now. Or if they always had this in mind. But either way, I'm ecstatic to see what Tom is going to bring us next. I spent the whole film with a huge smile on my face and cannot express how much I love this movie. I still can't believe it's real and that I actually watched it. Loved. Big spoiler. I don't want to spoil that for you. Um... Uh, these were just my overly excited thoughts on the movie eric love the pod man always a treat to see a new episode in my feed as always stay safe man aaron aaron thank you so much man thank you for writing in it's always a pleasure to hear from you uh yeah spoilers are all over the place so i did want to exit out some of that um because that was a pretty major spoiler and if you haven't watched the film i do not want to deprive you of it um you deserve to go see that film and love it as much as aaron and i do so aaron thank you so much man spidey summer has been such a great time gotten a lot of great feedback for it uh and if you want to get more of chris and aj on the podcast let me know i love having them on and if you like listening to them let me know and we will bring them back for more stuff Next up, we have a question from our good brother, Critical Rants. Critical Rants on YouTube. Go subscribe. Uh, Cole rules. His channel is awesome. You should go check him out. 
Uh, he writes, hi, Eric. Hello. Uh, he writes, I hope that you're doing well and that you had an awesome 2021. It always puts a smile on my face when I see a new episode of Geeks Explained is out. And I truly appreciate all the time and effort you put into every episode because it always shows. Thank you. Uh, listening to the Invincible Book Club each week was such an awesome part of my weekend routine, and I'm very excited that the book club will continue with Ultimate Spider-Man next year. As I've never read the series, I'll be especially giddy to be able to experience the story alongside you, Jacob, and Malcolm every week. If I had to pick a single favorite episode of Geek Explained from the past year, and man, is that a difficult task, because there are so many amazing episodes to choose from, it would... I'm just going to let the sirens play for a second. Los Angeles is a dangerous place. I'm not even... I'm not going to edit this. I'm not going to cut this out. Okay. Are you done? Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh... (laughs) Uh, only in podcasting Um, he writes uh, it would have to be your pitch it episode for boomers big score Uh, the originality fun and depth of that pitch made it an absolute blast to listen to and the thought and care you put into the episode was evident throughout here's to hoping that DC will one day give Captain Boomerang the spotlight that he deserves to finish out here I have several questions what's your favorite Geek Explained episode or some of your favorite episodes from 2021 What's your most anticipated superhero movie of 2022? And when will that handsome devil critical rants guest star on an episode of Geek Explained? He says, thanks for sharing your art and talent with us through your podcast. And thanks for being such a positive and compassionate force in the comics community. You rule big time. And don't you ever forget that. Best Cole. Cole, you beautiful son of a bitch. Thank you so much for your, for your email. Um, genuinely big smile on my face right now Um, i'm going to tackle this in a couple different spots uh first off yes book club geek explained book club returns january 7th with the first volume of ultimate spider-man be there or be square uh second i love me boomer's big score um captain boomerang hopefully will be getting some shine in this new rogues book that's coming out but we'll just have to see uh and to answer his questions so, um, real quick, most anticipated superhero movie of 2022, duh, Across the Spider-Verse. It was going to be Batman. Uh, it's a toss-up between those two, but right now, as I'm thinking about it, maybe it's because I'm still off the spider high, uh, Across the Spider-Verse for me. Uh, favorite episodes from 2021. Let's go back in the catalog here. Uh, a couple favorite ones that I really enjoyed. Um, let's see here. Um, dude, dude, uh, top five feel good comics, uh, episode 147. I was in a really bad spot mentally and emotionally when this, uh, when this episode came around and I really wanted to do something to feel good. And so I read these comics and I just want to talk about them. If you are having a case of the holiday blues and you need a little pick me up, feel free to go check this out and read some of the comics that we featured on here. Um, Let's see what else. I'm just going through the catalog. Um, Top five comic book cartoons. I had a ton of fun putting that together. That was a great time. Episode 153 and episode 155, Spotlight Superman Birthright. Birthright. Superman Birthright rules. That book is one of my favorite comics ever. And to get to talk about a book that is incredibly personal to me was a really, really great time. 
Um, all of X May, all of X May. Shout out again to our guests for that. Uh, Owen from Owen Likes Comics, Joshua from the Panels to Pixels YouTube channel, um, uh, Matt Draper uh, from Matt Draper. You know him, you love him. Um, and also Dallas and Alexis of the Comics Collective podcast jumped in to talk about Hawks Pox. Um, had a great time with them. They're wonderful. Also, the episode I did with them talking about Super Heavy alongside Anne. Uh, they're wonderful. Go subscribe to Comics Collective Podcast. I'm putting out some great stuff. Uh, as always, love you guys. Um, let's see here. What else? I'm blowing through this. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention episode 165. Uh, every Fast and Furious movie ranked. Um, just... What do you offer me? Um, episode 169, uh, Captain America Month, the first Avenger. I got to go on a deep dive on one of my favorite films of all time. And it's genuinely an, an episode that I did a whole lot of research for and I felt really good about, right? Like, so f the, there's so few and far between that I, like, feel super confident about, like, my my craft. But, like, when I put this together and I was going through and editing it, I was like... I did good on this one. So, uh, so that's up there for me for sure. Um, what else here? Um, I mean, one, 175. Boomer's Big Score. Boomer's Big Score I will take with me to my grave. Um, Pitch It is uh, near and dear to my heart when it comes to that segment, and I don't take it lightly. Uh, Boomer's Big Score I love and adore. Um, I didn't mean that to rhyme. That was weird. But yeah, love that. Big, big fan of that for sure. Um, top five Batman comics for new readers. 178. Uh, had a great time putting that together. Loved everything about that. Um, and I got a lot of good feedback on that, strangely enough. Um, people, I guess, like when I do lists and top fives. So if you want more top fives, let me know. And let me know what top fives you want to hear. Do you want to hear a top five, you know, Captain America? I think I did that already. Sorry. I did that in the Essential Comics. Um, if you want to hear a top five, Dick Grayson Comics. If you want to hear a top five... Uh, uh, Ted Grant Wildcat comics. <laughs> um, let me know. Let me know. Um, and then just honestly, everything, every guest that I've ever had, every uh, every time I get to have a guest on this podcast is an absolute joy. Um, I got to have guests for the entirety of Geektober, which was really fun. Um, I had guests throughout the year. We did two Geekspine Extra series, both Into the Snyderverse as well as Spidey December. So those were wonderful. Um, and then Invincible Book Club. Every single episode of the Invincible Book Club I hold near and dear to my heart. We really touched on something that uh, I felt like I had been missing in the podcast and having Malcolm and Jacob and the three of us going through Invincible makes me really excited to dive back in for Ultimate Spider-Man. So that is that. Um, and for the final question, Cole, DM incoming. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, so that's that one. Thanks, Cole, for writing in. Uh, we also have an email from... David Bleakley, and this one is really exciting because this is our first international email. David, you win the gold star. You win the no prize for our first international email. Um, 
Coming all the way from Scotland. So let's go ahead and dive into this. Uh, he writes, hey, Eric, hello. I'm a longtime listener of the podcast, but it's my first time emailing in. I just want to say thank you. This podcast, as well as the book club and the Geeksplain Extras, help make my workouts more enjoyable and brighten up my long drives to and from work here in rainy old Scotland. In honor of the most wonderful time of the year, Dare Sember, damn right, and the official MCU debut of Kingpin and Hawkeye, I was wondering if you had any favorite Wilson Fisk stories, or if there are any writers whose work with the character you think are deserving of particular praise. Personally, I'm partial to Frank Miller's work with the character, and I think that Chip Zdarsky is doing a phenomenal job with Wilson Fisk in the current run. Apologies for the lengthy email, keep up the good work, and I hope you have a great Christmas, man. Best wishes, David Bleakley. David, thank you so much for writing in. A uh, little known fact, I've mentioned it before, but uh, I am half Scottish. My mother's side is from uh, is Scottish through and through. Um, so it's it I you know, it's serendipitous that our first international uh, our first international email comes from Kin. Happy to uh, have you listening, brother. Thank you so much. Um when it comes to the Kingpin, uh, Kingpin's tricky because there's uh, before Frank Miller Kingpin and there's after Frank Miller Kingpin. And any book of before Frank Miller Kingpin, I don't fuck with. I'm sorry. Um, Kingpin was kind of a joke character. Frank Miller turned him into a legit uh, Machiavellian tragedy. Um I agree anything that Frank Miller and Wilson Fisk works really well. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Last Rites. Um, Matt Draper, Dare Sember, speaking of Dare Sember, uh, did an excellent, excellent uh, episode of Dare Sember focusing on um, a book that I had never read before and I had to go back and read and genuinely real good daredevil last rites um is a book that i think is wonderful it's kind of the uh spiritual sequel to born again and it's really well done um so check that out um i think his work agreed in the chip zadarsky run is fantastic and i mean i would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, his appearances in Mark Wade's Daredevil. He doesn't appear a whole lot in Mark Wade's Daredevil, but he is uh, dynamic when he is there and he's wonderful. And I would also give a shout to uh, Devil in Cell Block D. Um, Matt has to contend with not just him, but also Bullseye while in prison. And the three of them working together is chef's kiss so check those out if you are a kingpin fan and i hope you liked his involvement in hawkeye we'll see where he goes next and then the final mailbag of 2021 uh goes to michael cox mike always happy to hear from you he writes in merry christmas eric Hello, and Merry Christmas to you as well. He writes, for the final episode of the year, I have a question about the first MCU movie we're getting in May, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. What cameo or cameos from across the multiverse of Marvel would you like to see? Personally, I'd like to... I'd like it to be the way they have Deadpool join the MCU. Even if it's a brief, I shouldn't be here type joke. Hope you have a safe and happy new year. Mike, Michael... Michael Cox, thank you so much for writing in. I, I almost want to say it like uh, like Dwight says in the office. Michael, Michael, 
Um, I am very excited for Multiverse of Madness. If you watched No Way Home, you know exactly why. Um, but there are some some cameos I wouldn't mind seeing. Captain Carter. I think a live-action Captain Carter would be dope. Um, seeing... You know... Okay. Obviously, uh, Aaron Taylor drops a Quicksilver. Give us that easily. But one that I really, really want... Chris Evans as Human Torch. I think that would be the best cameo they could possibly do is to bring back Chris Evans, but not as Captain America as the Human Torch. I think that would be incredible. It would be a great nod to the upcoming Fantastic Four. And it would just be a good way to bring him back without messing with Steve Rogers' um, wrap-up and the nice bow that they gave to him. So that's my pick. That's my big cameo I want to see. Chris Evans, Johnny Storm, Human Torch. But thank you, Michael. Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Michael, Cole, Aaron, David, thank you so much. And again, if you want to write in, if you want to be part of our first Geeksplain mailbag of 2022, send your emails to geeksplain at gmail.com, put mailbag in the subject header, and I will read it here on the podcast. Finally! If you would like to keep up to date with the podcast, if you want to participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. That's at GeeksplainedPod. Uh, there's been a lot to talk about, so uh, join us there. Join me there. Um, there's going to be some really exciting stuff uh, coming up in this episode. Uh, in this upcoming year. So if you want to be the first to get notified of that stuff, do that and follow us. But that does it. That does it for the year. That's it. Uh, let me know what you thought of everything we talked about in this week's episode. Email me, tweet at me, message me. Um, 2021 has been quite the year. I look back at some of the episodes. I mean, just going through the catalog just now for, um, for Cole's question. Um, it's kind of crazy everything that's happened this year. This was a transformative year, not just for the podcast, but for me as a person and as uh, a voice actor. Um, Some really exciting stuff happened in the last couple of months, and I can't wait to share it with you. Um, But genuinely, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here with me. This year has been tough. This year has been hard. Uh, Doing the podcast can be incredibly draining because... I don't know if you know this, it's a one-man operation here. I record, I research, I edit, it's just me, week to week, by myself, at this laptop and microphone, and so um, getting feedback from you all, getting letters, getting emails, or if it's just even just a little DM here saying like, hey, great job, keep going, um, genuinely means more to me than I can explain. So thank you. I hope the podcast has helped you out in this year i hope it's provided a bit of an escape a bit of light uh through a very tough year and just know that each and every one of you who is listening to pod to this podcast right now you have done that for me so thank you so much for doing that thank you so much for making this uh, i'm gonna get emotional um thank you so much for making this um one of the best years of the podcast, one of the best years creatively. And uh, 2022 is going to keep on rolling. 2022 is going to be a big year. So um, for me here, um, 
Geeksplain podcast uh, again next week and week after we will be on break. Uh, we will be coming back with the uh, Geeksplain book club with volume one of Ultimate Spider-Man uh, on January 7th. That's a Friday, so keep a lookout for that. And then we'll be right back here, podcast back up and running on the 12th. Can't wait to check in with you then. Um, I don't know what else to say. Uh, but yeah, so tune in uh, January 12th for a brand new episode of the Geek Explained podcast. Same geek time, same geek channel. Um, but for now, for Geek Explained, this is Eric Azana. Uh, thank you, genuinely. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, stay safe. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and we will see you in 2022. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot And days of old land sign For old land sign, my dear For old land sign We'll tuck a cup, oh kindness yet for days of old land sign We twa heran About the braes And put the gowans fine But we've wandered many Weary fet Since days of old and we twa he peddled in the barn frame morn and sun till dine But seas between us braid he rode since days of old land sign For old land my dear, for old land sign, we'll tuck a cup, oh kindness yet, for days of old land sign.
Sign. 